This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm home uh, here with my folks for Christmas, and uh, last night my mommy and I uh, watched uh, a, ne- a Netflix-distributed film, Klaus. And it oh, was so yes. good. And it came out two years ago, and it's kind of like a reimagining of, like, the legend of Santa Claus. And it was just, it was beautifully animated. I mm. The whole time I was thinking, like, wow, this is actually very well written. Aside from, like, you know, there's, like, jokes and stuff which are, like, unironically funny. But also, like, the story structure and the way it kind of plays around with stuff that we already know about, like, you know, the Santa Claus lore mm. um and just kind of reimagining it you know in a way that like i don't think i had ever seen like the origin story of santa claus portrayed that um effectively and and meaningfully and like to have this if effective conveying of the message of you know the the sense that there's like a, a phrase that they say throughout the movie like um a, a you know, a true act of goodwill always sparks another. And that was mm. so clear by the end of the film. I was like, this is just so well written. Why can't we write more stuff like this for kids? Let's let's switch over to some Netflix output that's <laughs> let's um <laughs> let's uh did you just say let's switch over to oh. some <laughs> Oh yeah! By okay. comparison, <laughs> the Christmas oh. switch. No, not even the Christmas switch. The princess switch. The princess <laughs> doesn't switch. even have Christmas in the name. <laughs> Welcome, everybody to the christmas special for do try this at home netflix season we're here i'm caleb and we're gonna try and fix a mediocre netflix original movie and i'm joined by harrison gale that's that's me that was <laughs> yeah sorry for, from now on for the rest of the season i will be voiced by chris pratt <laughs> <laughs> very good <laughs> and i'm gonna be doing a normal voice not an italian voice <laughs> we we've been away for a little while but we talk more about that in next week's episode um because we recorded them out of order but we're here for christmas we're doing we're doing the princess switch which is an awful (laughs) netflix original from 2018 um would you like me to read you the letterbox log line i would be delighted if you read me the letterbox (laughs) so when a down-to-earth chicago baker and a soon-to-be princess discovered they look like twins, they hatch a Christmas time plan to trade places. There you go. Right. <laughs> so, so... Like, weirdly enough, that, that pretty much encompasses all of it, yet misses out so many key details. Yeah, somehow that's everything and nothing that's in the film. <laughs> um, yeah, the princess switch... Um, I mean, if anything, I think one thing I learned from this is that... Honestly, I think Vanessa Hudgens has range. Oh, yeah. And maybe maybe she could have used... Uh, actually, you know what? Before I say this next opinion, I want to ask you, um, yes. a, a native Briton, um, <laughs> wh- what did you think of... How was her, how was her RP? 
accent. I mean, it's it's not good. Yeah, like, I didn't like think it was, but I wanted it, to know. It's kind of you can kind of forgive it because like it feels unnatural because it feels like it feels put on, right? Because like you can imagine that this like young woman like grew up as like a you know aristocrat and was had this like way of speaking forced upon her and like Mm -hmm. all of rp kind of sounds like that so you could kind of forgive the sort of weird like little uh blips in it wow caleb just roasted the entirety of the bbc (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um but it was uh I, I don't think it was very good. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I didn't I, think I, it was either, but I felt like maybe I'm not one to judge because... I, I do remember, like, thinking, like, oh, this is better than I expected it mm. to be. I expected it to be, like, like really bad. Honestly, was... that's how I felt while watching the movie. <laughs> I think yes. my, my expectations were set so low that yes. the fact that I, like, cared <laughs> at all, I was even, like, a little bit for a, a small moment. I was like, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> like as i thought yeah, it was gonna be yeah. so we should say just to expand on that that log line so vanessa hudgens plays a this down to earth baker and also <laughs> classic this soon-to-be princess who's about to marry a prince um in a place called bell is it belgravia which is i don't know anyway and um is, so it, she, is that but is that not like is that am i making that up is that not like a neighborhood in yes london yeah, yeah, yeah. So is it That's meant to be set there, or is it meant to just sort of no, be like no, no. A, a larger stand-in for the UK? It's, it's a, it's no, it's like a made-up state. Is the impression I get? All right, like it's a, a made-up like city-state. Okay, um, cool. that like somehow still exists in twenty twenty. Yeah, right. <laughs> or twenty eighteen. Anyway, and um, so they, so the baker gets invited to this Christmas baking competition in Belgravia. And there's this the soon to be princess realizes that they look alike. They swap places for a couple of days, and the baker falls in love with the prince, and the soon to be princess falls in love with the baker's like mate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who bakes with her? But secretly um, has a crush on her. Just not secretly whatsoever. Yeah, it's not secret at all. <laughs> so he's played by Nick Sagar and the prince is played by Sam Palladio. And you know what? Actually, Vanessa Hudgens has charisma, but I thought both of their performances were um, watchable at the very least. Sam and Nick. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I think I think they're they were both decent with what they were given. I honestly think Nick is a little oddly cast. I don't know why, but he just like yeah. doesn't like. I don't know why it just feels like he doesn't quite fit in with the rest you know of the what cast. i think it is is that this is a car like the, the, like it feels you know, older the, than everyone else for some well, reason that, <laughs> but also like the leads are are film stars like they've mm. been in films uh, he feels very tv That's and i what like it is, I, yeah. I don't i don't i don't mean He's that in a disparaging way because i think performing on tv is a different skill you have to yeah, you have to show sure. up and sure. deliver a solid performance every week for like a 24 week season or whatever yeah it's so not i don't easy. i yeah, it's it's just a different skill to film, but he feels like a TV actor in this. I think. Yeah, that yeah, I think that that pretty much nails what what I was like. I didn't know how to put it into words, but that's it. You want to yeah. hit my favorite bit of the movie though? <laughs> oh, before man. we get into it, okay. because we, we start we like just we like starting the show with positives, right? Yeah. Before we uh, before we rewrite it. Yeah. My favorite bit of the movie, right, is. <laughs> when the soon-to-be princess is pretending to be the baker, right? And uh, Nick Sagar comes in, he's, like, asking for some toothpaste, and he just comes into her room, like, topless. And the guy is 
jacked. Like, yeah, he's, he's so ripped. He's he like shredded. It's yeah, unreal. <laughs> like, because not only is like he built, but also like his pecs <laughs> are gigantic. But then like the abs are just like carved out of that stomach. Right. Like, there is no. There's not. I could not see an ounce of body fat on that man. Yeah, it's like this unreal. is borderline not a real person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like you've seen the transformation like Kamal Nanjiani did for uh for right, Marvel. Yeah, when it is nothing jacked. in comparison to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Kumail um, is nothing on Nick Sagar and like, what I loved about it is like later on the two um, you know the twins but they're not twins which I also love about this is they're not actually twins right like it's the parent trap but makes less sense somehow. yeah exactly yeah anyway but when they reunite later like um, the princess to be says to the baker which is just how I'm going to refer to them to make it make sense um, <laughs> so she says like oh have you ever seen like Nick you know have you ever seen his does she say have you ever seen him topless or something like that and she's like "Ooh, no but also like he came in to ask for toothpaste so casually you'd assume that she had seen him topless before right like this like, was something so that he weird. did a lot exactly because he was so chill about it he wasn't even like oh sorry i should go put a top on he was just like yeah no worries yeah anyway the the dude all i'm saying the dude was packing some like serious muscle <laughs> And uh, it should be and the, the synopsis it. of this episode. Like we talk about the princess, which Caleb won't shut up about how jacked <laughs> Nick Sagar is. <laughs> well, and he knew exactly when to bring it out as well. Perfect move. <laughs> yeah, good for like, him. Good for you. Know what? Good yeah. for actually. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him for setting some unreal body expectations. <laughs> Yeah, as, now the rest as, of us are like, oh man. Yeah. Especially as we enter the Christmas season when I know I'm going to eat so much bad stuff. And yeah, now every time you sit down at, at the yeah. at the Christmas dinner table, you're going to be like, oh man, I, I'm never going to be like Nick. <laughs> <laughs> it just couldn't be me. Here, so if we're talking positives, his body is a positive about <laughs> this film. <laughs> Yeah, you. Oh, you want to talk body positivity? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know his body is positive. <laughs> uh, oh, um, I well, mean, okay, I'm glad I we opened the episode by objectifying a man. I think yeah. that's important. <laughs> uh yeah that's that's what feminism is all about. Um, <laughs> the other the other thing, other two things I want to say is one, yeah. like. I think Vanessa Hudgens is just like endlessly watchable, even when she's yes. given crap to do. Um, yes. So and like so, I think that's part of why I actually had a good time watching this, even though I didn't think it was like a well-made film. And then yeah, also, yeah. there's a scene in the movie where she's wearing a shirt that I own, and I lost my mind. I like paused <laughs> the movie. I took a <laughs> screenshot. I was like, I can't believe uh, Stacy DeNovo owns the, that shirt DeNovo. that I also own. If you like, it's if you if you decide to undertake watching this film, there's a point in the movie where she has on a on a shirt that's kind of like kind of like a, a knit material, and it's like this mm. like like pink red um, color. But then it's it's kind of like like a like a polo shirt. So the like the 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 sleeves or not the whole sleeve but like the the cuffs of the sleeves and uh and the collar are like this um like lighter pink color so it's this two-tone thing going on it's a good shirt i don't blame the costume designer for using that shirt i just that had never happened to me before like watching the movie and then being like that person's costume is something that i own i just love 
how extreme in detail you went there. That was really I need people beautiful. to know which shirt it is so they yeah, know that I have good I need taste. You to watch the prince. Yes. If for nothing else, like just watch it for this shirt. <laughs> exactly. You need to see what I saw, and people will be like, "Okay, whatever." But for me, for me, it understand. just yeah, you don't get it. You don't get it unless you own that shirt as well. And if you do, please message me on social media because we need to talk. Now look, Harrison, we both had fun watching this film. Yeah, um, but <laughs> you could say that <laughs> it is an incomprehensible mess. Yeah, it doesn't make any <laughs> it's sense. So um, stupid. What, first and foremost, the craziest thing about this film is um, uh, Sam Palladio's uh, like uh, the like the the trim of his hair. I don't know if you <laughs> noticed this, but once I saw it, I couldn't unsee yeah. it. But like the over like over the ears, yeah, like over his ears, his hairline is just crazy short. It's like way too far away from where his ears are, and I just as soon as I saw it the first time, I was like, I can't. I'm never gonna unsee this for the entire movie. So I that's pretty much what I thought about most of the movie. <laughs> I was like, this is the craziest haircut I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> So you don't actually know what happened. Yeah, I have no idea what happened because I was just stuck thinking about this like unhinged haircut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to get in a better hair department. The wardrobe's yeah. fine, all right? Wardro- we yeah, discussed this. Obviously, wardrobe, wardrobe is, is great. Wardrobe doesn't need to do anything. Um, but They're the perfect hair, as they are. You know, hair, hair and makeup could use some work, maybe. Yeah, that was a little, a little nerve-wracking. <laughs> Just like, and then I keep, lo- I'm, I'm consulting the IMDb page as we talk, and then they keep showing, like, you know, pulling up uh, photos from the set, and it's a bunch of, like, a bunch of them are him from the back, so I am <laughs> of the prince from the back, you so I keep seeing it over again. Let's talk about the set, because this isn't something we often talk about. We often no. dig into story beats, like, as, as quickly as we can. Yeah. But actually, it might be nice with this. You know, part of what we've talked about this season is that like a lot of Netflix films have this feeling of like being a TV movie. Yeah. And I would say, you know, Nick Sagar bar his body, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did Barring bring his a little. Slamming bod. He did bring a little bit of sort of TV movie to this in yeah. his performance. Yeah. I would say, and maybe Sam Palladio as well. Actually, I don't know. Um, but I think the design here is part of that because. The stuff in the palace was fine. I thought that looked good. And it was, it looked like it was probably shot on site somewhere in those interiors. But the external sets of Belgravia looked like they would fall apart in like a strong gust of wind. <laughs> yeah, they looked like just like same. reinforced cardboard. Yeah, which is um, probably what they were. Right. Like, <laughs> they probably um, did not spend a lot of money in those areas, which is no. fine. You know, and I think, that, I think that's can. fair enough. But I think, I don't know, maybe it was like, Maybe you disagree with me here, but maybe it was like over ambitious in the sets it was building. Like maybe, and actually, my big note for the story as well is stripping some of this back. But maybe they could have stripped back some of the setting as well in order to sort of save that money and 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 use what you have. Like they clearly had this decent like set for shooting the interior of the palaces, and they clearly had like you know the like um, baking set like didn't cost any money at all right because it's just a tv set like it wouldn't have cost very much so i i kind of think they could have used more of that and stripped back some of the elements where they're going lots of different places in order to like save money and put that into like better production design i don't know Mm -hmm. whether you would agree disagree no i i agree i think like i know it just it kind of felt like the most of the movie was just like one big afterthought (laughs) 
Yeah. So like, oh, we have to make this movie. And then all of the elements that went into actually producing the movie were kind of just forgotten about. <laughs> like, yes, oh, we have yes. to we have to do something. So um yeah, I think that's a that's a possible solution to that I, issue. No, I, I I definitely agree because it's it feels what it feels like is someone like wrote a list like someone like wrote the script and then like someone else was reading the script and just writing a list of like what props and set were going to be needed at, at what time and like mm-hmm. as they shot the movie that was the first time they looked at the list yeah okay what do we need next oh wow okay we need some toys i guess um for this scene where we give toys to like <laughs> this um <laughs> children's home we'll just give them all these like cheap looking ray guns because <laughs> yeah, that's the only all, toy we can find you'll all get a ray gun for christmas <laughs> there was like it's not even like there wasn't variety there either it was like there was so little connection between the actors and the and the, and the toy like there was this line where like um the prince is like it, you know uh vanessa hutchins like picks up the ray gun and the prince is like oh um i I always wanted one of these as a kid we got to get some for the kids and it was like he was dead inside as he said that (laughs) like it was like there was zero like time spent connecting him to that toy and i thought if there's something you want to do like you have to find a way of like i think it was meant to be like a kind of thing where it's like well i I didn't get this growing up because i had to grow up to be a prince type thing but it just did not come out that way (laughs) i don't know yeah um, yeah it w- like i mean yeah it is kind of like those little things that you know would have been uh strengthened on a couple of rewrites like this it felt yes. like a first draft of a script yes and then yes. you know it goes through another draft and then you're going through it and you know once the kind of like you know the the major structural beats of the story work then you're like okay now let's do like let's do like a a more refined pass on it like okay here's this moment where he's got like you know the toy that he's holding is the ray gun and you're like oh well that doesn't quite click like what else could it be that is the thing that you know he he wants to give the kids and why and let's make it you know gel a little bit better and you know maybe it's even something that like he had like he's like oh well this was meaningful to me because this was one of the only toys i was allowed to have yeah and i and i loved it so much for you know whatever reason or maybe maybe it's a toy connected to a job he wanted but he could never pursue that as a career because he had to be the prince right you know like there's uh, because there's an underlying thing of like the prince is slightly reluctant to be the prince Mm -hmm. i think um but it's never like brought out we we never understand who he is and it's this weird thing where like these two women are falling in love with these men in two days but i don't think we as the audience ever get to know who those two men are (laughs) they're just literally like like, okay yeah and uh, i mean it's kind of fun yeah yeah, it's kind of fun that they're both just like you know just sort of like action figures that we can just place our own feelings onto right that's kind of funny but it's also like (laughs) it doesn't make for a good movie you know right yeah like there's we don't really know much about for example we don't know much about the prince aside from the fact that like his entire personality seems to revolve around like not quite wanting to be uh royalty or deal with those responsibilities um and then, like, we also don't really have a reason why we, like, should think that he's he's a nice guy. Because the first time we see him, he's, like, not really being a nice guy. And nearly yes. running over the, the woman he will eventually fall in love with. Um, <laughs> and then, like, you know, uh, the, 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 I guess, Stacy the baker's best friend who has a crush on her, Kevin, 
like his entire personality is that he has a crush on Stacy, but doesn't know, like, like doesn't know how to tell her, doesn't want to ruin yeah. their, their friendship, even though it's like pretty clear that he like, you know, she's placed that boundary on their relationship and it's not going to yes. happen, but he's still hung yes. up about it. Um, but that's pretty much all we know about him. <laughs> and then he has like, <laughs> also like, I couldn't quite figure out, I get like, and it's been a little, a couple, you know, at least a, a week probably since I've seen the princess switch. So there's stuff that I'm forgetting, I'm sure. But like this, they have, there's like this like goddaughter character or this character yes. who's the goddaughter of um, Stacy the baker. Um, but it like, is she like, she's not kevin's daughter is she yeah, like she is. what she is. yeah <laughs> i like says, it just was so confusing like i couldn't tell what their relationship was to each other other than like no. this child was there there's a bit where the princess asks him like oh do you ever miss your wife and then and he's like well you know like we've been broken up for like eight years or whatever and and you just like kind of get over it and and whatever and i care you know i have to focus on my daughter or whatever um so i like i'm pretty sure she's his daughter okay i've always like she should not be there that's not a comfortable situation (laughs) yeah i mean like i i couldn't tell if she was like you know like she could have been a stepdaughter but it just wasn't i like i don't think they really made that clear no Um, i i can see that i can see that (laughs) i mean and i think and you know now kind of like veering a little bit into um you know the the actual story structure of the film um, usually like my complaint with films is that they, they are too long or it takes them too long to get into the the story that the inciting incident is too far into the film and that it needs to be like, it just, you know, it needs to pick up the pace and get to it. Shockingly, my complaint with this film <laughs> is that it gets to the inciting incident yes. way too fast. There's, there it's is like, way, <laughs> within there's just... minutes. Overall, there is way too much story happening here because you have like these two different love stories going on. And like you say, it gets to that within like eight minutes. And then both of these love stories go on like these huge journeys that like are pretty like just full of fluff for a lot of the time, but like full of lots of story beats to fill the space. And it doesn't have the confidence to just like chill out for a second at all. And then it has to do the baking competition at the end. So the whole thing it's just it's so overly stuffed with story uh that we never get time for character for theme for fun as well like there's nothing fun here it's just like you know every time there's like a a, a set piece or something that could be fun it's just like okay let's rush through that so we can get to the next bit of the story right like one one example time for another event exactly like they nearly meet each other in the toy store and it's going to like fall apart like this whole like thing they've come up with but that is that should be a set piece that should be like eight minutes of like physical comedy and like lots of moving about and we should understand this setting and use that setting to make it like feel like dangerous and like there's jeopardy here but it's just like they nearly see each other and then they just don't see each other and then it's just like the next bit of the story right and this is and this is also due in part to a a a story device that i found so irritating and there's this like uh he's credited as kindly man (laughs) literally in the credits but there's this kindly man who uh uh, portrayed by uh robin stones who like appears kind of as this like you know christmas guardian angel type figure that he keeps like 
subtly getting involved and preventing disasters from happening and making like fateful meetings happen. But if it, you know, I would just cut him out entirely because he all, all he seems to do is just (laughs) prevent interesting things from happening. (laughs) Like he's the one who prevents them from like the two couples from meeting each other in the toy store. And I'm like, well, that's that's the most interesting thing that could happen right now. Every time there is a problem or conflict, he is there to solve it as a sort of deus ex machina, um, you know. And so it means that you never get any drama or conflict because it's immediately resolved. Right. By just this random dude. (laughs) Now, look, Harrison, we've we've kind of danced around it. Right. Mm. But, you know, last year we we created a Kaminsky New Year. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm, sure, New Year. I'm sure you remember I, um, how can I and forget? i'm sure you be you will be wishing your, your loved ones well this year with a Kaminsky as i New do Year. every year well i want to pitch to you <laughs> merry <laughs> merry frankmas <laughs> merry frankness frank is the prince's driver but also just does you know his like dude <laughs> that just does all the stuff for him right yeah, yeah and yeah he is hired by the king early on to like keep an eye on the princess because there's something up about her and he is slowly unfolding this plot that there are two you know women that look exactly the same and that they have switched places what about what (laughs) if what if this was like in the style of like a pink panther film where it's like it is like kind of got thriller elements but it is it still places comedy and family at its like forefront of its presentation right Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this psychological thriller, <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. but, it, but, it, but it is like a fun family comedy and it's Frank slowly unraveling this plot of the princesses. So it's told from his perspective. Oh, so we don't know that they've switched necessarily from the start. <laughs> we tell entirely yeah. from Frank's perspective as he kind of like feels like he's going crazy because he's seeing these two women in two different places <laughs> and he's like, what's going on? And then, and, and he's slowly like, finds out that they have swapped places and and the princess which you know has happened and and but through that maybe we can learn you know we can learn these love stories but like they're the fact that they're so paper thin right now can be kind of masked i guess by this framing of actually this is a story about frank (laughs) yeah (laughs) actually this is a story about frank and one man's psychological unraveling (laughs) um at uh, witnessing uh, two doppel doppelgangers. I, I mean, I, th- I like we need it. to give him. I th- we need to give him more to do. But I think as well, like we we'd give him more to do. But we would give the princesses. Uh, well, you know, the two a princess and the baker, like way less to do. And so right. it's more like him working his way through a couple of set pieces to kind of put together what's going on here. Mm. Um, so maybe you have like the first meeting between the two women and them deciding to switch. And maybe during that time you have like something that Frank's doing where he's kind of like picking up on like some clues and stuff. And then you could do like the breakfast the next morning and Frank's there. And then maybe we go like straight. We don't do all the rest of the fluff. Like we just go straight to like, oh, today they've got to go and buy toys for this like orphanage. And so then we go into the toy store, you know, set piece there. Uh, then we've got the ball. Is it the ball? Because there's another point. There's a whole plot point where we think the prince is going to be away for two days. Right. Um, and then he actually returns. And it's like, 
that takes up like 25 minutes of the the, the film and actually it's completely pointless because it's just a red herring like right. you could just you could just persuade her to like swap places for two days because the prince doesn't know her they've met like twice right so how would he even know that exactly it's not her <laughs> he anyway, doesn't, he doesn't know what he doesn't know what margaret's really <laughs> like that's exactly what i'm saying is like we pair back this story we don't add in all of this like uh all this drama that's immediately resolved right and what we do is we just like build a couple of like really interesting exciting set pieces where we understand i mean maybe you could do dramatic irony where like we're following frank's unraveling but we also know that they've swapped places or maybe you do it entirely from frank's perspective and we don't know what's going on you could do like one or the other Mm. um i think both would work I think maybe the first one would be funnier, but the second one would be <laughs> more unhinged as an idea. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably leaning towards the first just because, like, in, if if we're making edits that aim to, you know, at, at least kind of keep more of the original, like, tone and spirit of the film, I think that one's probably more in line with it if we have the dramatic irony of like this this guy being like are these two like is some like is this just a different person even though she looks exactly the same and we know that yes it is but also that it's like not really as dastardly of a plot as he might think it is yeah um you know that it's literally just like these two women swap places <laughs> so that like one of them can just like experience life as a normal person yeah. um and not like you know <laughs> i mean i think it could be funny if frank is like a conspiracy theorist and he thinks like ah uh, like you know it, margaret has been taken over by the lizard people or something can we, you know like, can we write it where like um where frank's an anti-vax <laughs> oh no well, I mean, this was also made in 2018. Yeah. Well. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> but he's like an anti-vaxxer like before COVID. He's yeah. like, don't vaccinate me for measles. <laughs> don't put that in me. Uh, let oh, let me get meningitis. I can handle oh. it. Oh, man. It's good to joke about that kind of stuff, isn't it? <laughs> I do think there's something really fun about Frank being overly paranoid. And like maybe even you have this scene where the king, kind of you know that thing where <laughs> which king was it that got Thomas Beckett murdered? Do you oh. know about this? This is this is British history, so I don't expect <laughs> you to know about it. Let me look it up. <laughs> I should know this to be fair. Yeah. Why um, are you asking me? <laughs> yeah, I'm literally a history student. So Henry the Second, I believe. Yeah. Like okay. he, he he said. So Henry the Second, he said to like a couple of knights, like oh, won't someone get rid of this really annoying priest for me? As in uh, <laughs> Thomas Beckett. And so the knights went and murdered him, like, at his altar, right? Oh, my God. And then they returned, and the king was like, dude, I was just saying, like, oh I'm annoyed about him. I didn't want you to murder him. I didn't want you to actually do anything. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so I love the idea that, like, the king is like, man, there's something up with this princess. Like, something something not right about her. And, like, that becomes Frank's whole mission. But at the right. end, like, the king was like, dude, I didn't care. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't ask you to do anything. <laughs> Why have you become completely obsessed yeah, with this? Yeah, this is just weird at this point. <laughs> like, you were sort of right, but it's i'm unsettled <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm more unsettled by you than by the fact that these two women right places <laughs> i like and i love that like those kinds of like 
comical misunderstandings also just like happen in history like that's been <laughs> happening <laughs> to yeah, human yeah. beings as long as we've existed that, that was in like the 1100s so like, it's like yeah we've we've all been doing that. yeah the king just comes back and he's like am i gonna have to start putting like forward slash s at the end of every time like every <laughs> joke i say <laughs> <laughs> oh man man Look, i'm sure so, somebody would do something about that thomas beckett forward slash s yeah. <laughs> sarcasm uh here's another thought this baking competition like what it what the heck is uh, this yeah it's too much and then also like she has this like uh, stacy the baker has this enemy yes just yes, like just for like i guess for an extra minutes. sprinkle of conflict since every yeah. time the conflict's gonna just naturally happen it's dissipated by the kindly man yes so, like better what's, pepper in some actual conflict what's awesome about this conflict as well is her enemy like um sabotages her mixer Mm-hmm. And they make an entire cake, and they do not use the mixer until right at the very end when they're pureeing some right. raspberries. Like y'all aren't using that at other times. <laughs> <laughs> How have you made this cake? I don't understand. Um, also, her um, her like nemesis's cake looked way better. Yeah, I don't know. Probably if you because that. she had a mixer. <laughs> yeah, but like, but like. I don't know why she lost because her cake was really cool. It was like bauble shaped, like, and they were all stacked up on top of each other, and they looked like they were like defying gravity. And then like, yeah, <laughs> and then, like, um, Stacy's one was just like a layered cake. It was just a regular cake. Yeah, probably, know, probably that kindly man, you know, fiddled fixed with it. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when we weren't looking. <laughs> man, uh, so look. Just fine. Surely we can find another reason for her to go to Belgravia apart from some like ridiculous baking competition. I mean, they mentioned that they are like related, albeit distantly. Yes. To each other. I mean, I thought when they, you know, when they first started explaining, you know, oh, like we're related by, you know, a distant relative that like one of them like left, uh, you know, where wherever the wherever the hell Margaret's from, where is she from? I, I did they say some other country? It, yeah, <laughs> it's Luxembourg, like, Mo- Montanaro. Yeah, that's I just Montanaro. remembered yeah, Montanaro. Yeah. yeah, which I guess is supposed to be a a spin on Montenegro, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, some <laughs> some teeny tiny country that you know yeah. no one will notice if we make it up. But like, and that like one of their ancestors left Montanaro for the U.S. and then you know started a new line of them there, like. What I mean, you know, it's like something that's happened a lot in royal history where there's like, you know, somebody who is born out of wedlock or perhaps is like, you know, or, or maybe it's, you know, kind of situation where like, uh, you know, they're uh, their mother or something. I'm saying mother because I'm assuming that this um, I'm assuming this uh, society in Montanaro is, you know, uh patrilineal or you know patriarchal but um like you know that that you know their father like fell in love with uh, a woman who uh was not royal um and then there's like then it's kind of like more of like a parent trap kind of situation where like they they are, are actually twins 
because they, you know, they're twins, identical twins from the same parents, which, which would make more sense than, um, you know, if they, oh, yeah, we just are distantly related and happen to yeah. look exactly alike. <laughs> and then it gives some, like, you know, kind of like a more meaningful relationship to the two of them. Because now they're not yeah. just, like, two randos on a family tree. Now they're like, oh, my gosh, like, I have a sister that I yeah, didn't yeah. even know about. Do you um, think and then, fun- and you know, and then there's, like, the whole thing of, like, oh, well, you know, there's something to be explored there of like, oh, well, you have to go back to this place because, um, yeah. you know, of like inheritance or something, you know, yes. involving like them being connected and related to each other rather than I, just like this yeah. random baking competition. I know. I like that way more. Do you think a fun like dark twist would be that Montanaro had a one child policy? <laughs> <laughs> and so and and like this guy was like you know high aristocracy and so he had to like follow the rules to a t yeah it would be scandal if they didn't (laughs) that's you know like whether or not they have twins is totally beyond their control yeah Yeah, like that's not even how they like chinese followed that rule i mean that, that also could be like a pretty funny like conceit in the like a running gag in the movie they're like yeah our dad was an oh. idiot <laughs> he didn't even have to do this he he's just realize. a moron <laughs> oh like i God. hope we didn't inherit any of that <laughs> yeah and like like okay. stacy's like oh like i wonder what like i grew up you know not knowing my dad and you're gonna be able to tell me all about him and she's like yeah he was an idiot like you yeah <laughs> so stupid he's just a dumbass like uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't want to know so yeah i i mean i think i think maybe you could even have it where like um princess is it margaret What's yes name? so maybe she's um she's found out about stacy and she invites her to belgravia like under the pretense of like look we're long lost twins like we should meet and then right. when stacy arrives that's when she's like now we gotta do a switch yeah like i didn't tell you in the letter because i just wanted you to come but actually i invited you here because i want to do this switch and i i think yeah that makes way more sense and it means we can strip all of that baking stuff out of it which we will make it like i mean she i think she could still be a baker right but like it just makes it it's just so much less story to get through right so that we can actually focus on like who these characters are um and it means we don't have to have like a stupid ending because it's a really stupid ending it is Um, pretty dumb i'll give you that yeah i mean i mean i think i think it would be way better to have you know like uh, like so i think the idea is that like they're meant to be getting married like at the end of that weekend and but in the end like when the prince finds out about it like they he says like oh let's get married in a year's time or whatever um you know if you're like still sure then um, but I think you could even do it where like our, our climax should be like our first act promises a wedding. Our climax should be a wedding that goes wrong. Right. Mm. Like that's what it should be. And so it should be building all the way up to the ceremony. Like it's the day of the wedding. This should be our third act. And Frank is just putting the pieces together. And so that moment of like <laughs> final conflict where we work out who everyone is and everything, you know, because it could be like 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 Stacy was always invited to the wedding uh, because like maybe that's like she's like you're my long lost twin sister and I want you to meet me and also be at my wedding or whatever. Right. And then they do the switch, right? But um, you know, if you if you have that as your third act and you have like the conflict can be you know the, this final like confrontation where we find out everything that's been going wrong can happen literally at the beginning of the ceremony, like in the church right mm-hmm. like it could be happening in like belgravia cathedral or whatever and frank could like you could even get as far as like you know uh the you know uh, what is it 
Um, when they do the, you know, if anybody has any objections, yeah, or exactly, whatever, that's yeah. it. And, and then Frank it's Frank like, just like bursting through the, the curtains, <laughs> like just yeah, exactly, looking just totally deranged, like he hasn't slept in three days. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, like these huge bags in his eyes, yeah, like red, red, all in his eyes. Yeah, yeah like five like, o'clock shadow. That is like that's a climax, right? Like, and it's and it's silly and it's funny. But it is also like it is climactic and it makes sense to what the rest of the story is rather than just like an add on just to find us something to do at the end of the movie. Right. There's then there's like more conflict between like, you know, just the characters themselves as well, because now there's like yeah. a moment with that with that contr- that structure. Then there's a moment where like, you know, maybe leading up to the wedding, like Stacy's like, oh, like, you know, I'm in love with the prince, but I like he thinks that I'm someone else. And he does like he is under the impression that she is Margaret and not just this, you know, like this rando baker from Chicago. And even though like, you know, she has been kind of like, like revealing a lot of her true self, like she is still lying to him. And, you know, that that's a pretty intense climax. Like you're about to get married and like, you know, like leading up to she's like, how am I going to tell him? How am I going to tell him? And there's that whole thing of like you want to you need to tell somebody a secret, but you know, it's going to hurt them. So you keep putting it off until the very last minute. And so then there's this moment where like then she she's not even the one really deciding to tell him. Now it's forced by circumstance because you know frank who hasn't slept in three days and his eyes are bloodshot is like that's not the real princess and he's like what do you of course it is what are you talking about and she's like actually he's right and you know there's the reveal in front of everybody that she's been lying to him and he's gonna be hurt you know and then so there's there's an actual there's some actual stakes and there's the sense of like well maybe they won't get together you know of course they will because it's like you know a cheesy netflix christmas movie but at least for that moment you're like you know mate there's this there's a possibility that they won't get together because you know some like in real life you know sometimes that's a kind of thing that people can't get past and it's understandable because how are you supposed to get past like somebody lying to you about who they are and like willing to marry you without telling you this secret that they have about themselves so there's real like it really it, it it gives the the film real stakes Yes. I mean, the other option for that is that the princesses, you know, the, the two women, they have swapped back. Um, and we are watching uh, Stacy there on the sidelines wanting to say something, wanting to stop the wedding right. from going ahead. And Princess Margaret knows she doesn't want to do it, but she's been for- she feels like she's been forced into it. And again, you get that breaking of tension when Frank is the one who actually it actually brings about the resolution, even though he's the one causing the problems throughout the whole film. I mm-hmm. mean, either of, either of those offers you way more like sort of pathos at the end like way more like of a like cathartic ending but also way more like drama and uh conflict to figure out through the ending Mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily have to be fully resolved as well um but it gives us yeah it's it's just something meatier to Mm -hmm. like actually figure out at the end because that's at the moment like like we've talked about like every problem is immediately solved and so you need something where like there's a problem here that is almost unsolvable and so the way you find that solution is through something that is challenging and it Mm -hmm. is either the prince saying he's going to accept that she's been lying to him the entire time he's known her like or he says he needs time to like figure that out and process that and i think that that's a much more exciting ending 
yeah um however however you set it up you know whatever the like sort of logistics of blocking and things are uh, it makes for a way more exciting ending yeah and it's totally freed up by just eliminating this like bacon competition thing and replacing it with like you know this kind of you know long lost relative type or you know long lost twin yes um story and then there's like you know i think sometimes uh you know deadlines can can be good for for raising stakes but i think like you know if the stakes are you know like you already have the deadline of a wedding right so you can just set that however long in in the future you need realistically for two people to fall in love with each other and you know and then you know that's kind of like that's our deadline is the wedding rather than like this kind of artificial two-day deadline of a baking competition and in some ways though like two days could be enough for them not to necessarily fall in love but to just understand that they might be in love right Right. and want to pursue that rather than get married immediately Mm -hmm. to some someone they know they don't love Mm -hmm. and i guess there's that as an option as well if you leave this slightly open-ended i mean we know that these have had sequels maybe we'll get to them another time harrison (laughs) (laughs) maybe in another another season you leave it open to sequels there because it's like well you don't have to solve everything right now especially with a with a netflix film where you kind of know like uh, if enough eyeballs see it you're gonna get a second movie anyway <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's it's kind of fine right um but yeah so like yeah like you say you can have like your two-day deadline or you can make it a week or you can make yeah however long it needs to be um and you can have it where they say oh let's just swap place for two days and they get to the end of the two days and they're like actually i want to see this out why don't we swap mm. places just, just before the wedding or whatever? And it, you kind of, you know, you introduce, yeah. Again, like you just just more conflict between, you know, Stacey and Margaret as well, because they are in cahoots, but they don't have to agree with each other about everything, which right. in this currently they do. They're just like, yeah, that's fine. Let's all just, let's just do the thing yeah, that awesome, we both great. think is the yeah. right answer. <laughs> um, yeah. Look, Harrison, I we haven't solved everything there. <laughs> we haven't <laughs> yeah but i think this this one's pretty hefty i will say <laughs> yeah but i do i do think what we've talked about of like using frank as like an inroad to like bringing more comedy but also ultimately more drama out of this and then yeah. also like replacing this baking plot with like this long lost twin into like actually seeing the wedding as our third act the wedding that we promised in the mm-hmm. beginning i think both of those things are enough to 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 bring about at least some solutions to the the very obvious problems with this film, mm-hmm. and then we and also we talked up top about like you know where you spend your budget and what performances you can expect to get out of people and all of these things. What you know what makes this elevated to the status of feeling cinematic, and and we we kind of talked through that. So I in many ways I think we've done it again. <laughs> I think I think we've done it again. I think we've saved cinema once again. Truly Merry Frankmas to everyone listening. Merry Frankmas to all and to all good Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody uh, is at home listening somewhere and they're like, you know, working on a hot dog and they're like, thank yeah. you. How did you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Harrison... During this Frankmas period, how could, <laughs> how could sacred people, Frankmas period? <laughs> how could people find you on, online? You can find me online uh, in a couple of different avenues. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Uh, with the yeah, I know it's <laughs> it's a lot. I'm everywhere. Um, uh, at the handle at Hiya Harrison. 
and you can you can find me and chat about the the episode what like what do you want to what do you want to hear what are you looking forward to um don't don't find me on letterbox and like complain that i write my reviews in like the literary present because that's how reviews are written so <laughs> you know who you are out there please stop <laughs> doing that i'm tired of having that conversation with you um because you're not getting it so if but if you're not if you're not one of those people i i would be delighted to chat with you on social media at higher Har- harrison uh caleb um during during the frankness season where yes. can where can folks find you well i'm actually funnily enough in all of the same places that you are oh wow i'm on <laughs> what a coincidence oh, oh wow oh <laughs> wow i'm on twitter instagram and letterboxd at caleb lebster that's c-a-l-e-b-l-e-b-s-t-e-r wow. um, interesting that we put them in a different order that we prioritize them differently oh i don't i, I think don't i mentioned remember. instagram oh, first, you were instagram first. Yeah. yeah we all put letterboxd last wow sorry sorry letterboxd you can find us <laughs> online on twitter and instagram at do try this pod and i think that might be it so once again merry frankmas everyone merry frankmas uh, to all and to all good frank and we did do try this at home we did do try this at home and don't forget to have a kaminsky new year (laughs) that was a maybe you like it production maybe you liked it maybe you didn't